Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. have a jingle father oh my goodness can you and can you believe that we have a jingle it's, it's done wow that was uh, i have to say when they sent it to us i was i think it was uh thursday or friday i was like floored because they had sent me like little mock-ups uh for those of you who don't know that is the call uh they sing at our 5 30 mass and i want to thank nana and carly her husband who produced that and they went into the studio chuchi lauren uh and andrea and uh, Lou and everybody from the call, Siege is in there. I know Ceci probably did something. I know Joe probably did something, but everybody. And I'm probably missing somebody, but they did such an amazing job uh, to get this for us so we don't have to uh, use the Monday Night Football uh, theme music, even though I like it. Which but, was, no, but it was a lot of fun to have It was that. fun, but, you know, when it's something that is made with love and something that they know that they that they worked hard on last week. I'm, I'm just so appreciative for what they did. Absolutely. So thank you so much, guys. That's the finished product is... Like the marching awesome. band at the beginning there, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, getting ready for football Drum line. season. There we go. There you go. But we'll talk about that later in the podcast. For sure. So this weekend we had a Good Shepherd Sunday, and, yes. and I know it's uh, one of one of your favorite weekends mm-hmm. and, and one of your favorite Gospels. Um, so let's dive right in. Let's tell us a little bit about Sunday's readings and Gospel. Well, very simply, Jesus starts off the Gospel saying, I am the Good Shepherd. And so when you think about the image of the Good Shepherd, just think about somebody who is embracing you who's you know whether it be your husband your wife your children your parents and feeling that embrace and that's how christ the good shepherd embraces his sheep embraces each and every one of us and you know i i put it in the bulletin and i i tweet i think i've tweeted it out twice this amazing video that's that's uh that i don't know where it came from but it was put on the internet a couple of weeks ago of this young man in a, you know, there's a ditch on the side of the road, and this young man is trying to rescue a sheep that is stuck in that ditch headfirst. And so he grabs, I guess, looks like his belt to try to pull the sheep out by his right hind leg. And so he finally is successful at it. The sheep runs off, you know, you know, scared like sheep are wont to do, and then 10 yards down the road falls in the ditch again. And so I looked at that video a couple of weeks ago, not even, not even thinking about Good Shepherd Sunday, and I go, isn't this amazing, an amazing metaphor to our life with Christ the Good Shepherd, who constantly rescues us, and as soon as we, he rescues us, 10 yards down the road, we fall again. Right back in. We and, were, and if you haven't seen the video, it, it's, you know, we, when you say ditch, we think, you know, just this big, wide ditch. You know, no, 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 down. this it, is this, very thin. This was very, very thin it's and like deep. It, Probably like an earth, you know, maybe an earthquake zone that you know, like a little crack in the road. Yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll post it on the uh, on the Monday morning homilist uh, Twitter feed. It's at mm mm homilist. There yeah. you go. So, uh, but it is so beautiful and 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 a video for us to meditate. On. I know I meditated on it two weeks ago, and then when it came to preparing my homily for Good Shepherd Sunday, I have to mention that video and I, I put it in the bulletin column as well because. Christ is constantly rescuing us. But not only is he rescuing us, he's calling to us. And that's the whole theme of the day because it's also World Day of Prayer for Vocations. It's Christ calling to us 
and us recognizing his voice. And this is a problem with, you know, why we fall into the ditch. We know Christ's voice. We know what it sounds like. The thing is that in our lives, we ignore it. He knows where the green pastures are. But the thing is, in our pride and our vanity, we think we know where we want to go, where, where our green pastures are. And they aren't usually where Jesus wants to take us. And that's where we fall into trouble. So for this Sunday, it's kind of like, number one, okay, stop falling in the ditch. <laughs> number two, recognize the shepherd's voice. And number three, revel in the embrace of the good shepherd. And we put it on, on the cover of our bullets in that beautiful image of Christ holding a little lamb. A little lamb. Yep. You know, and so many times and I remember at your at, at your young at your youngest son's birthday party, we had a little petting zoo and we had a, I think there was a lamb there. there and little, yep. you can't pick them up. You I mean it's very difficult to, you know, to herd sheep, you know, to bring them together. And that's what the shepherd does. The shepherd brings them together. The shepherd leads them to feed. The shepherd protects them. And this is something that makes no sense. Because in real life, Jesus you know, says in the parable, shepherd would leave the 99 sheep and go in search of that one sheep. That makes no sense. And so the, for the people listening to that, for the Jewish audience listening to that in Jesus' time, it makes absolutely no sense. Why would he put the 99 in danger to go rescue that one sheep? But that is the insanity of our God, who loves each and every one of us so uniquely, so wonderfully, that he'll go out and rescue us wherever we may be. For sure. And, you know, and to take that a step further, it's not just leave the 99 to save the one. Uh, and you referenced this in, in your homily, and, and you, you talked about it more in depth last year, and you have that beautiful picture in your, in your office. It's not just leave the 99 to save the one, but it's really to, to put his life on the line. Yeah. You know, so you, you, you mentioned you have this picture in your, in your office of the shepherd on, on the edge you know, of, yeah, the cliff, edge of the cliff. Yeah, the cliff, yeah. Literally holding on for dear life with one hand to, to reach down and grab this, this sheep with the other. Right, and, and, that's, and that's what's so remarkable and so beautiful about this image of the good shepherd, that it is an image that is comforting and is an image that we, know, we look at it and say, you know, Christ protects us. But, you know, here's the thing. We have to allow ourselves to be protected because we live in a world where we think we have to be so independent. I don't need protection from anybody. I can take care of myself. But, and listen, I'm, I'm speaking to myself because it's sometimes so hard. You know, I'm so used to serving that it's very hard for us to be served. But this is Jesus who is serving us. And the final point that I made in, in the homily was, and it's the shepherd who feeds us because he brings us to green pastures and in, in the mass, he feeds us his very self. The shepherd becomes the lamb that is sacrificed on the cross and obviously on the altar. And so he feeds us the bread of life. He feeds us and nourishes us with this food of immortality. So why do we keep running from him? Why do we keep falling into the ditch? Why do we keep, you know, hearing his voice? We know it's Jesus. We go in the other direction because, oh, no, this sounds good over here, or I want to do this over there that we think will make us happy, but in the long run, it won't make us happy. You know, as we dive deeper into these, uh, into these readings, you know, there was one line that stood out in particular this week. It's always been there, but, you know, like living scripture, we could read the same reading over and over and over again, and there, there's always something new. Uh, and as I was sitting at the, in the pews this Sunday, you know, the line that popped out to me was, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. These also I must lead, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Uh, so, so 
in the midst of this beautiful image of the Good Shepherd who leaves the 99 to save one, who puts his life on the line to save, uh, to save one, we have him, we have Jesus literally saying, and this isn't just for a select few, this is for everybody. Right, and obviously St. John there is talking about the Gentiles who are beyond the people of Israel who, who the shepherd comes to rescue. Jesus comes to rescue all. And even though, and the thing is that we're so filled with division right now in the world. And I'm not talking about politics or anything like that. I'm just talking about in terms of religion, you know, uh, Jesus wants to bring everyone together. And we have one shepherd, and he wants one flock. Because it's not like, okay, when we get to heaven, the Presbyterians are going to be over there, the Catholics are going to be over there. <laughs> you know, that's something that's not going to happen. All of us are going to be one. All of us are going to be, you know, in the presence of the Father. And Christ is going to lead us to him. And so that, that's what we all long for, and that's what Jesus is trying to show us in that image of I am the Good Shepherd. So let's go ahead and talk about vocations, because as you mentioned, it's World Day of Prayer for vocations. And, you know, you obviously have a vocation story as a priest, but vocations isn't just limited to the priesthood. That's obviously our focus this particular weekend with the Good Shepherd. Uh, but, you know, vocations, it's one of those it's one of those things that we wish we could talk about, you know, every single mm -hmm. minute of every single day. So, so let's go ahead and devote because some time to that. Because we need priests, and, and uh, I used to work in that. You know, I was a vocation director of the Archdiocese from 2006 to 2009. And, you know, when it comes to my vocation story, like I said, and like you said, uh, we, I, we cut it out uh, because yesterday we were mourning the, the loss of our seventh pastor, Father Arthur Dennison, and he loved brevity in his homily, so I kept uh, the homily, for me at least, uh, brief, not as brief as his. But, you know, my vocation call, you know, I, I, get, I get emotional thinking about it because everybody thinks, okay, you're born a priest. No, I, when I was a child, it didn't even occur to me to be a priest. And there were always priests around my family. We had a family spiritual director. We always had priests that would travel, stay at our house. It was, you know, it was something common. It wasn't like this figure that, you know, the kids see, oh, look at the priest and off in, in the distance and, you know, up, up on the pedestal. No one... And yes, we respected the priest, but it was not something I contemplated. Uh, it wasn't really until I began going on, on missionary trips during the summers of my high school years, and I went three consecutive summers, starting when I was 15 years old, that I started seeing you know, that there was such a great need for priests. And I'm giving you a very, very Cliff Notes version of my vocation story. But you know, there was one priest for probably about 150 or 200,000 people. He was in charge of the parish in the city. I mean, little town, it really wasn't a city. And then around that town, were like 59 little villages, and each village oh. had a chapel. Oh. And so he would visit those chapels once every two to three months, maybe. And when he would go there, he would have to baptize the kids that were prepared by the catechists of the, of the, of the village, have to marry anybody who needed to be married, and obviously celebrate Mass, but also hear confessions for people that hadn't gone to confession two or three months, or maybe longer. So the confession lines usually were two hours long. So uh, I saw that, and so in the back of my head, I was like, maybe something I should consider. But you know, when you're when you're a teenager, especially a 15 year old boy, you know, I went to public high school, and it doesn't matter if I went to public high school, it would have happened if I would have gone to a Catholic high school. You know, I went to Gables High, and you know, when you're 15 years old, you have a crush every day of the week. You know, that little girl, you know, looks cute this week, or that little girl, you know. But I was such an idiot. Never never went beyond that. Um, Girlfriends, yes, I had, and but I mean, and but even my last girlfriend said, you know, God's calling you to be a priest. But it wasn't really until senior year, 
Uh, that, so she that, knew. She knew before you. Yeah, pretty much. No, but you know what? Every pretty much everybody knew before I. Every, I mean, I'm more. I'm, I was closer to the kids in my youth group in my parish than I was to my friends at school, and so pretty much everybody in school in not in school. Everybody in uh, in youth group. Uh, when I finally announced that I was going to the seminary uh, after high school, they're like, "Oh yeah, we knew." I mean, it's like oh, you should have told me earlier. It would have been nice, but it was basically following the will of God. And then I was talking about my family's spiritual director. He uh, had a spiritual direction with my parents, and he, when they were done with spiritual direction, he told my parents, and this was March of my senior year in high school, and this is uh, you know, Mar- uh, spring of 1993, he said, tell Manny, what is he waiting for to enter the seminary? And so I remember my parents were going to visit my aunt and uncle. I remember this vividly. And we were standing, you know, we, we got out of the car, and I think my brother and sister, they were there, I don't remember. But we were standing at the doorway of my, my aunt and uncle's house and rang the doorbell waiting for them to answer. And my father, my mother, forget which one, turned to me and says, oh, father said, what are you waiting for to enter seminary? And Jorge was just like a bolt of light right there. Uh, you know, I always consider that space in front of my, my aunt's house. Uh, uh, sacred like, ground. Sacred ground because <laughs> kind of, that was the bolt of lightning moment. So I went on a retreat, an Ignatian retreat, which is like a, a, a four-day silence retreat. And... Uh, I was the youngest one there. Everybody wow. was in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And I'm looking around and go, what am I doing here? But my parents used to go on these retreats. Uh, I have parishioners who go on these retreats still. Beautiful retreats, silence. You're, you're quiet for four days. I think I recommended it to your wife. And she's like, you mean quiet for four, four days? days? Yeah, she's like, no. But she could do it. But so there I am. And I'm, you know, and this, and um, the director of the retreat was Father Amado de Orente, who passed away 11 years ago amazing saintly priest uh was a teacher of fidel castro in belen in cuba Remember, oh. fidel went to belen sure. and so he had great stories and me being a student of history and lover of history uh i just i took copious notes i mean just write one right i mean i filled i don't know how many pages in, in my journal uh taking notes during that during that retreat and so but i was still like okay do i follow the call do i not follow the call Finally, uh, obviously, every retreat has a confession component, and that was Friday night. So Friday night, I, I sit with him, and I'm going to confession. I was not very good about going to confession when I was a teenager. Who is? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm a lot better now for my parishioners. I go at least once a month. Uh, but uh, So I go to confession, and he tells me, okay, I want you tomorrow morning. I forget what my penance was, but he tells me tomorrow morning, after the first talk, I want you to go into the chapel and just ask God, what do you want me to do? So I go into the chapel in the John Paul II Retreat House of Happy Memory. And uh, the chapel is just beautiful. The chapel is facing Biscayne Bay. And obviously, you can't see Biscayne Bay because of the wall, but it has three stained glass windows. It was morning. It was three small stained glass windows on the top of the, of the wall, the back wall of the chapel. And you see the sun shining through. And those three stained glass windows were, the top one says Alpha and Omega, the Greek letters. And then one was a symbol of wheat of the Eucharist, and the other one was the grapes. And the, the sun was shining through one of them. I just looking through that stained glass, and obviously the Blessed Sacrament was there in the chapel. And I kept asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And all of a sudden, I just start crying. And I start humming into, uh, to myself, humming the words to here I am, Lord. Basically saying, you know what, if this is what you want from me, here I am. I am your servant. Beautiful. So after that, it just, you know, it was just snowball effect. Now, I didn't, talk because we're not allowed to talk. I didn't talk to the priest afterwards, tell him well, this is what happened when I went to the chapel. So on Sunday morning when we did the closing mass, that's when we're allowed to talk. 
and we're even supposed to be silent during meals. Somebody's reading a journal or something out of the spiritual exercises during um, during the meal. So during the last meal, we're all talking, and everybody's like going, why is this kid here? And, and Father gets up and says, I want everyone to know in his thick Spanish accent <laughs> that this young man, he's 17 years old, and this weekend he came to the spiritual exercises retreat, and this weekend he decided to become a priest. And I go, I did? So okay, I mean, He knew before you did. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying that even though it was made clear to me on Saturday morning, it still, I guess, was difficult for me to admit to myself. And when I remember, my, you know, my parents picked me up from the retreat and, uh, and we were supposed to visit some friends afterwards. And on the way there, I remember sitting in the car and telling him, like, I think God's calling me to go to seminary. Notice I didn't say what I said. I didn't say I didn't say I think God's calling me to preach. I just I said, I think God is calling me to go to seminary. But again, after that, and this is the most beautiful part of the story, you know, not just the encounter with God. The first person I called was Bishop Roman, you know, the saint of our diocese, auxiliary bishop at the time, and knew my family, knew me before I was born. Um, and so I called him, and I, and, and, he, and, you know, at that time, you know, calling a bishop, you know, who would do that, giving you an appointment? So he made an appointment, and this is May 11th, 1993, because that retreat happened on Palm Sunday weekend of 1993. And so he gives me an appointment to go to Lamita to the shrine of the Our Lady of Charity. And I sit with him. And I was already accepted and enrolled. Not enrolled. I was accepted to FIU for the fall and the honors program, all those things. And so I sit with him. I go, listen, Bishop, this happened to me on retreat. And uh, I don't know. I think that maybe I should go to FIU and quote, unquote, experience the world, the, live a little. The, the famous it, line. The, the famous, famous line. line. And while... I am talking, he's picking up the phone, and he goes, no, no, no. When God calls, you have to answer immediately. <laughs> he said this in Spanish. Cuando Dios llama, tiene que responder inmediatamente. You have to respond immediately. And he's picking up the phone, he's dialing the vocation director, oh, wow. one of my predecessors. Wow. And hand of God, that appointment took place nine years to the day before the day I was ordained. I mean, that was May 11th, 1993, I was ordained to the priesthood. May 11th, 2002. So that is the, the very Cliff Notes version of my homily. I know I did a 30-minute version for my, uh, <laughs> I think it was the third graders last year that I did on YouTube when they were on virtual. But that's the way that God calls us. And God doesn't, you know, yes, I, I kind of had a little lightning moment when they relayed that message from my family's first director. But uh, but it was, a, it was a process. And it's also discerning through nine years of seminary because I went through nine years of seminary right out of high school. And uh, a lot of ups and downs along the journey. But there is no better life. I mean, I, I love being a priest. I was a, a newly ordained priest, uh, Father Tom Pringle from uh, from Orlando, who was ordained last uh, last year. Uh, and he's been ordained, I think, nine months because these guys were ordained late because of the pandemic. And he tweeted out yesterday just simply on Good Shepherd Sunday, y'all, I just love being a priest. That's awesome. And, and I, and I, and I kind of retweeted that because it is. I love being a priest. And everybody who knows me knows that I love my priesthood, knows, knows that I love... I just have fun. I, I love preaching the Word of God, love doing what I'm doing right now, love obviously celebrating the Eucharist. Uh, you know, I interview, you know, you know, candidates all the time, and I always, you know, look for that answer because it's our love of the Eucharist and being able to share the Eucharist with others. That's what, that's what you know, nourishes us and compels us to, to ask God to send us more shepherds into, into his, uh, into, to, to, to attend to his flock. Amen. You know, and um, I saw a tweet this weekend from Cardinal Sarah, or, or he mm -hmm. re actually retweeted someone else. And it's a beautiful line that I've 
heard over and over again, and, and you know, I try to share this with, especially with our confirmation class. You know, he said, so often we ask the Lord to send us, uh, to send us more vocations, right, or or to call more people. And and the tweet was, you know, the Lord is calling, is still calling as many people as He's always been calling. It's it's us who are not hearing it as clearly anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of depth there because it's true. You know, we are all called. And I referenced it before you started talking. You know, every single one of us has a vocation. Maybe that's not necessarily to the priesthood, but but God is constantly uh, calling. But you thought every about being a priest at one point. I did. I did. Um, before I fired you? No, I'm just kidding. You didn't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is how rumors get started. This are, no, but this is, this is since second episode is kind of like get to know your hosts. And uh, Jorge has a very good vocation story because his had a little twist and turn. Uh, a couple twists. A couple turns. of twists and a couple of turns. Go. So, yeah, and and yeah, as you were sharing your story, I was uh, I was just nodding along because so many vocation stories are, are similar, right? And, and you said you had your that lightning bolt moment. And so often we're looking for, you know, this big, grandiose event, uh, you know, the world, you know, just er- the earthquake, you know, in front of us. And, and there's the giant voice of God. And, and, you know, Scripture tells us over and over that that's not how God speaks to us. That's not how God works. You know, he's going to talk to us you know, in, the, in that gentle breeze. And, you know, for, for you and likewise for me, it was, it was the voice of, of our friends. It was the voice of our family. And that's why I joked, you know, they knew before before you did, and I'd be willing to bet that for so many vocations, uh, for so many priests in particular, they were probably the last ones to, to recognize the call uh, in themselves, you know, that, that God was calling them to that life. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, so my little, my, my uh, abridged version of my vocation story <laughs> here, because we want to keep it, uh, you know, to, to a particular time limit. Uh, you know, ever since I was a little boy, my grandmother would always tell me, you know, one day you're going to be a priest. All throughout my throughout my youth, I'd say, yeah, okay, okay, Grandma, whatever. I'm, that's not what I want. But constantly, oh, one day you're going to be a priest. One day you're going to be a priest. And then the priest of my parish would, would say to me, oh, you know, one day you're going to be a really good priest. And, you know, again, joking it off, just saying, no, 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 that's that's not for me. Uh, and I got, you know, same thing in high school. And the, the high school principal would be, oh, you, one day you're going to be a good priest. So all these people recognizing, you know, this quality in me, uh, that I didn't want to recognize in myself. So, you know, I did take those two years at FIU to experience the world. Uh, <laughs> it, and Somebody, I, yeah, go ahead. I, just, <laughs> I, I can't just, help but laugh at because because it's, I look at those two years at FIU and, and I always talk about my, uh, my vocation story like a pendulum, you know? So, so I had, I grew up a cradle Catholic, you know, so I had the pendulum all the way on one side and, and that's kind of all I knew. So, so, you know, I, I did take the, those two years to experience, you know, everything else. And the pendulum kind of swung the other way. And as I look back on those two years, yeah, I, I met some incredible people. I, I did some incredible stuff. But I almost became unrecognizable to myself. Yeah, and and that happened to me, too, because I was I had a back injury right after Hurricane Andrew, uh, senior high school. And I was just miserable to be around. I was just ornery. I mean, yeah. and so, yeah, I'm, same thing. Yeah. You know, and, and it really took, uh, you know, I looked around at, at some of my friends and, and just seeing them and, and how they were living their life. And, and you know, what we talked about last week, you know, the, the joy that they had in their, in their life because, you know, they took their faith seriously and, and it meant something to them. And I said, wow, you know, I'm missing that. Uh, so then, you know, the, so I took that to prayer, you know, probably the first time I'd prayed in two years. 
uh, yeah, and then I kind of felt the pendulum, you know, shifting back the other way. Uh, and in that moment of prayer, I heard my grandma again, you know, and I heard my parish priest and I heard my high school principal, you know, that little voice in my head say, you know, you're going to be, you, you, one day you're going to be a good priest. One day you're going to be a good priest. You're going and I said, well, if they all saw that, well, you know, maybe there's something there. So, and you said it in your, in your story, you were called to the seminary. You, you didn't know that you were being called to the priesthood, but you were being called to the seminary to discern that. And, and as I look back on my own life, I went to seminary, you know, I, and, and, and when I finally embraced that, you know, it's just like all this, all these walls that we had built up, that I had built mm -hmm. up just came, cr you know, crashing down, you know, and, and I almost felt like there I am, you know, in prayer, standing naked before the Lord, you know, saying, okay, this is, this is what you want for me, you know, so, so, you know, here I am, let's go, let's, let's see where this is going to lead, you know, and I entered seminary, and I did so, and you know me, I, I dive headfirst into it, yes, you, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, stick my toe in the water and say, oh, let me try it out, you know, so I, I dove in, and I gave it, you know, my absolute everything, uh, you know, and in that giving of everything, I, I discovered that, you know, like, like that, again, that pendulum image, you know, God, God called me to seminary to, I am the man that I am today, I am the husband that I am today. I'm the father that I am today. I'm the son that I am today. I'm the man of God of the church that I am today because of those two years that I spent in seminary. You know, the, the formation that I received there, reconnecting with prayer the way that I did there, you know, having healthy relationships with, with others that I, that I nurtured there. You know, I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for those two years. In seminary. Is that St. John's? Is St. John Vianney such a special place? It's an incredible place. place. I, mean, for, I know for both of us. And and now plot twist, because how did George come to the conclusion he wasn't going to be a priest? It, you know, uh, you know, obviously he, he recognized that uh, that he was being called to the sacrament of holy matrimony. But here, just set the stage. Here I, we go. Here I, we go. Here we go. Because this, <laughs> this I have to put out there because I'm, I'm still, you know, a little... Uh, burned by this, but but here I'm the brand new vocation rector, and I've known Jorge, this is where I, where I met Jorge. I had known Jorge for all of oh three no more than that three months that I was full time on the job, but I had known you for the previous uh, eleven months since I was named. And uh, November of two thousand and six, uh, I've been waiting for my office because I had an office downtown in the Chantry, but I was waiting to have a, an office in the seminary. So finally, we were going through accreditation. They give me the office. And Jorge comes knocking, and now this is the president of the student council, the golden boy of the seminary. Everybody loved, he hated that word. Everybody loved him, and he knocks on the door and tells me, "That's it, Father. Uh, I'm I'm leaving. You know, this is this is not where God is calling me. And I I it, I love this place. I love the church, but you yeah. know, this isn't it. Now, for the new vocation directors, like." <laughs> because you know it's kind of like it's a numbers game, and you're like usually one of your best seminarians. In fact, all of us told you, yeah, your your bed will be ready, waiting for you when for you when sure. you change your man, mind. But uh, but thankfully, you met an amazing woman and your wife, and uh, you like you said all those things you said about your, about your vocation to marriage, and we'll talk about the vocation to marriage on another uh, episode down the line. But but yeah, so you can see both of us have our stories, and 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 it's because we followed the voice of Christ, the Good Shepherd, and. You know, mine was pretty straight and, and, and yeah. straight and, and you know, cut and dry. But and Hori had some you know twists and turns. But but I do want to say you know to, to the and and particularly to the young men yeah. listening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, maybe you're not being called to the priesthood, but if there's even an inkling yeah. 
if there is even an inkling there, you know, someone else, you know, commenting to you, you know, consider the priesthood. You might be a good priest. You know, it do yourself a favor. Do the church a favor. Yeah. You know, do do the world a favor. You know, but most importantly, you know, give God that opportunity. You know, make that time in in your life. Yeah. You know, to explore that. And both of us recognize that we were not worthy to be priests. Both of, both of us, rec- and I still recognize it to this day, I've been a priest for almost 19 years. And, uh, but the thing is that we under, and I said it yesterday, I think at the 530 homily, we underestimate God so many times. Right. You know, he doesn't, I'm thinking of, the, I'm thinking of this phrase in Spanish, he doesn't call those who are equipped, he equips the call. Those who are called, I mean, yep. it sounds much better in Spanish, but, <laughs> uh, but, He's the one that that will give us the grace to be able to do whatever it is that God is calling. It may be priesthood. It may be marriage. It may be whatever it is that you are called to do in the Catholic Church, my friends who are listening. Whatever it is, ask God, what is my vocation? Ask the Good Shepherd, what do you want me to do? And if it's called to be a priest or a religious sister, jump off that cliff. Jesus will catch you, and Jesus will give you the grace to be able to fulfill your vocation. Amen. Don't you love that sound? No, it's a sound that makes you very nervous because it means the dolphins are probably going to screw up a pick. The pick is in. Yeah, the pick is in. (laughs) And so many times I've sat there and going, what are they going to do? But this Thursday is the NFL draft. I'm psyched. Last year, we got Tua. It was a no-brainer. Everybody said, oh, get hurt. And even then, it was still like, yeah, well, what are they going to do? <laughs> no, because we're, we've been burned so much. I've been in the stadium. I've never been in the war room. Even when I were, I mean, I, 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 I stayed away from the, comp, from the training uh, site, uh, from the training center during, uh, during draft, draft time. season. I just stayed away from there. I mean, I knew where the war room is. I knew where, I, 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 I never saw draft board. I think I once saw a glimpse of a depth chart. That's oh. it. But... Uh, when you hear that jingle, you're like, you, you get nervous. It's like, okay, what? Because this is your future. And so the Dolphins have had the third pick, traded back to the 12th, then traded up to the 6th. And everybody's talking about maybe they'll trade back again. Listen, it's very simple. Just get to a, a receiver. Now, we don't like the Gators, you and I. What? But Kyle Pitts, yeah. can you pass on Kyle Pitts if he's there? I mean, it's like a Gronkowski type pick and look at what he did for Tom Brady safety valve for Tua uh, I don't think he'll be there because you know the, the, unless there's a run of quarterbacks and then but you gotta get a receiver Devontae Smith you won the Heisman oh yep. he's too small now Jorge if I told you you're gonna have Marvin could they compare him to Marvin Harrison if you say you're gonna have Marvin Harrison for I'll the next him. exactly it's <laughs> yeah, a no brainer he's a Hall of Famer <laughs> and be right oh, he's too small Yes, Jamar Chase, but he's, Jamar Chase took a year off, like Greg Rousseau from uh, from, from the Canes, yep. and uh, and not Jamar Chase, but uh, Jalen Waddle also was there. But Devontae Smith got the goods, caught the touchdown winning, the championship winning yep. touchdown pass in that freshman year for Alabama in that crazy game against Georgia. So uh, pick a receiver, pick him, get a weapon for him. I think that we will all lose our collective minds if they take Sewell from Oregon. He's a great, great offensive lineman, but we'd lose our minds. I think the Dolphins know who they want. They think they, I think that they, and I, I don't know, I haven't talked to anybody over there. Okay. 
I just think no from, no insider information. No, no insider information. <laughs> I, I, obviously, the, I, I would you know, I would lose all any access that I have, which is little right now. But um, but I, I have to ask you a favor. You sure. need to record yourself like you did last year when the when the oh first when the pick. pick comes in. Well, I'm watching with uh, with the childhood. Fan. I was waiting for for Tua's name not to be announced. Yeah, so I know, and I would have lost lose it. your mind. I would lose my mind <laughs> uh, because I remember when we took um, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, two or three years ago, my friend was with me, and I was still at Immaculate. And we really didn't... Now, Minka is a great, great safety, a great defensive back. And yeah, and from Alabama, bona fide credentials. But we didn't need a safety. And I'm like, what are we... This is before uh, uh, before the Flores regime. But uh, but and it, we parlayed that for picks. But I'm just saying, is like, just get two of some weapons. It's simple as that. Devontae Smith's on the... It, I think right now... The way I have it, if Kyle, I don't think Kyle Pitt will, Pitts will be there, but if he's there, you know what? I don't know. If, I don't know if I could pass him up. I mean, we have. I I know we need wide receivers, no. but I don't know if you could pass him up. And the Canes, we're gonna get some first round picks from the Canes. About time. I know. Finally, some first round picks. But I just look at Rousseau and Greg Rousseau and, and think, man, he sat out this year. We would. I mean, our team would have been so much better. Oh, it's a different animal if he would have been there. I mean, uh, Jalen Phillips, Phillips, Phillips had a great year, and he'll be a first-round pick. I hope, you know, hope to be a first-round pick also. He had a great, great pro day at, at UM. Uh was amazing. And everybody's saying he, he got himself some money, oh, extra yeah. money that day. For sure. Now, running backs. The Dolphins need a running back. ETN, we know Travis Etienne from Clemson he could do. But you and I, we were impressed until we saw this. When North Carolina like, just, just smacked ran down. over us. But who ran over us? It was uh, Javante Williams. Javante Williams, and and I will be I will be not disappointed at all to see him go to to someone. <laughs> no, but hopefully to the Dolphins. That's what I'm. That's where I'm getting at. Because the Dolphins need a running back. I don't think they'll take him at 18. I uh, uh, that friend who's gonna be watching with me. Adrian's gonna be watching with me on on Thursday. I hope uh, Jeremiah. Uh, let me see if I get this name right. Ousu. Uh, I, I scribbled his last name <laughs> and I and I can't read my own handwriting. But. Uh, Jeremiah, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but this is a. He sent me the video, and I and I had heard about him, and we need a disruptive linebacker. Yeah. You think back to the great Canes uh, teams, you know Ray Lewis in the middle, Dan Morgan in the middle, yeah. uh, Jesse, you know Jesse Armstead back in the day, uh, all these great disruptive linebackers. You need a, you need a junior style. You need a Lawrence Taylor out there. You need someone to disrupt, and that's what's and that's what's going on. But going out there and hearing that, and then the commissioner saying. With the third, sixth pick in the NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins choose. There's still the anxiety. Whoa. I don't, you know, usually the, the network, the, the, usually the tweet. Sometimes they know, but I don't. I don't go on Twitter. What, right before the Dolphins, I I want to be like have the raw reaction, you know, and also to hear the Jet fans boo. That's always a highlight for me, you know, because the Jets fans when it was you always in New York, you know, you were always at the Jets fans booing, and that was always so awesome. And now they're in, they're being. Cleveland. Is it in person this year? Yeah, no, it isn't. It's going to be in Cleveland. It's going to be by Lake Erie. And yay, we're in Cleveland. Cleveland rocks. I've, <laughs> I've been to Cleveland twice. And uh, once was for the Hall of Fame game. Second was when we played the Browns on an, uh, an opening weekend. And um, yeah, it's a town in the Midwest. That's all I'm going to say. You know, that stole LeBron back, uh, away from us again. <laughs> We stole them first. I mean, so what goes around comes around. But did you see the videos uh, circulating on uh, on Twitter this weekend? 
I guess it was, it was the anniversary of Bernie Kosar, and we're going way back here. Yeah, uh, I remember Bernie. foregoing his two his final two seasons mm-hmm. specifically to go to Cleveland. Yes, I, I, I just that came up and, now and, as, and as Ber- we're as and, you're talking about Cleveland with such and really gusto. Bernie <laughs> should have taken uh, two teams from Cleveland to the Super Bowl, except that John Elway was in the way. Yeah. He had the fumble one year and the drive his second year, and uh, Bernie was you know. Bernie, I played one of the first time before you were born, but Bernie was great. I remember going to with my father to a Dolphins Cleveland game in the late '80s. I want to say early '90s, and it was just an incredible game. Bernie and Marino just dueling out, and actually, yeah. Bernie came to be Marino's backup, I believe, in 1993. And uh, that game went into overtime when we beat the Browns, and uh, people were saying derogatory things about Bernie that I won't get into <laughs> on, on on the podcast because it's a Catholic podcast, but. Uh, he was just a great quarterback and should have taken two teams to the Super Bowl if not for John Elway. But but yeah, I can't wait. Thursday, you know, it's time. It's the picks. The picks are in. They're going to be announced. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. It's the NFL. Bring it to me, football baby. <laughs> Dolphins, let's do it. It's let's back. get two up. Let's, let's get two up. A receiver. <laughs> let's get two of some weapons so we can make a run next year. And just and father, quick note here before uh, before we wrap. We made history on Saturday in yeah. uh, in local sports because for the first time ever, uh, because you know last year all the all the calendars were out of whack. But for the first time ever, we had. Let me get this straight: the Marlins, the Heat, the Panthers. And Inter Miami, all one, all winning on yes. the same day. We were four and zero. Four and zero. What happened was that in the nine o'clock hour, all were playing simultaneously, and I'm, we're like flipping channels. You had to be, you know, get your phone, your remote, and and just going back and forth, and it was just a great. All four of them won. It was a fun. That, that Inter Miami game was just the Wayne's just played amazing uh, soccer, and, and we had our Adam Duvall moment, right? Because we said last we, week, we, we, you know, yeah. it's gonna yeah. happen again. Here we go. Yeah, and and they actually came back. They came back because they were playing the same way they were playing the week before. Great first half, second half to come out sloppy. They concede a goal. And then the Iguain's, uh scored two goals. Federico and Gonzalo scored the first. Federico yep. scored the second. And yeah, Argentinians coming in here and, and helping us out. From there you know, go. It, w- it, w- it was awesome. But uh, yeah, but you, I have to mention all the things in baseball right now. Nothing's better than the Padres and Dodgers. And, and we have to wait till like August now you to know, see them play again. All right, but you, but but Jorge, here's how great this baseball game was last night. Padres are down by six runs, but I'm trying six by this game. It prevented me from watching the Academy Awards for the first time in over 20 years. And I know you're heartbroken about that. No, I'm not. <laughs> People that know me know that I love movies. No, my man should have won. I know you You have no idea. I couldn't. N- you, I watch, couldn't name, you watch Moana on repeat at your house with your daughter. I know I, that. I couldn't name a... But you I saw, think the, but you the saw, trial of the you, Chicago see, Seven. Yeah, did you was see one of them? You, yeah, but you saw Soul. I saw Soul. Soul was, which ama- was an, an amazing movie and very spiritual movie. And if you want to make a case of Hollywood saying, you know, life exists before birth, for sure, that's the movie. But no man, I saw this during Lent. It was an amazing movie. Uh, talk about detachment, poverty, uh, just community. Amazing, but the one that got me because I saw it last week, and and it's because of my sister, was the sound of metal. It's about this uh, heavy metal band drummer who starts losing his hearing and has and it becomes part of the deaf community and oh, wow. his transition to the deaf community. It's on Amazon Prime. 
No Man Land's on, on, on Hulu. Uh, Amazon Prime has, has Sound of Metal. Highly recommend it. Both very powerful films, uh, you know, moved me tremendously. But I did not watch any of it. And uh, I could could have cared less because I was out doing stuff with my community last night. What then? And we, you know, with the community, we we're watching. Started watching that Padres game and Dodgers game. Came back home, finished. It went to eleven innings. Eleven. Yep. I, I think it was right before midnight. It went to five hours, and I was tired, and I couldn't go to sleep last night watching that game. But so much good stuff going on in the sports world, and let's hope Thursday, Dolphins, please get to a weapon. That's all we want. So. Uh, thank you for joining us today, and uh, we want to finish up with uh, with a prayer to the Good Shepherd because uh, it's it's so many so many great things happen when we turn to Christ, the Good Shepherd, and that's how we want to end this podcast episode today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Faithful Shepherd, you are not a hireling who runs away at the sight of danger, but your fidelity was tested and proven on the wood of the cross. Accept the gift of our gratitude for your marvelous care. Help us to hear and follow your voice. Watchful shepherd who protects a flock and searches tirelessly for those who wander from the fold. Retrieve the lost and bring them home. Tend and heal their wounds. Good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Nourish your people with the bread of life that we may reflect your likeness and enjoy the spring of living water that never ends. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.